following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We are in a summer sermon series uh, titled, We Believe. And so we're just kind of at the beginning of it, and um, so far we've kind of had an introduction. Our first week in June, we talked about why it's important to have this time of really examining what we believe, and that really our heart in doing this isn't about making a list of all the things we believe, but that as we explore this together, it's going to release fresh faith for the things that we believe, that we're going to encounter the realities of those truths in a, in a bigger way. We also talked about that it's important that we recognize what we believe because unity in the body of Christ is important. And what unifies us is this coming around those shared beliefs, the things that we believe to be true, the, what the Word says. Um, out, I love things like Community Fest, where we're actually partnering with other churches. We had, there's a, Christ Church is, is hosting this outside their walls on the grounds, and they're you know, inviting other churches to come in and partner to bless our community because we're part of a larger body of Christ. Amen? And so here we are able to participate and sow into something that's really bigger than we could do on our own. Uh, in August, we have the community worship event. And it's basically a bunch of churches in Elk River that are saying, we're going to come together in, in a time of unity to worship around the, the thing that we have in common, around the thing that, that we really, that what matters is the gospel and who Jesus is. We're going to come together and we're, we're going to worship. And I believe that that's actually going to release something in our community for the churches to come together. So it matters that we, we look at what we believe, that we really get to the, the brass tacks and the, the foundation. I'm not sure what brass tacks even mean, but um, I'll have to look it up now. That we get down to that foundation and, and focus on what it is that, we're, that we believe. So um, we had that introduction. Pastor Bob, when he spoke, he talked about the foundation of Christ, that Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. He is the central part of our faith. And it's good for us as a what we would title a charismatic church, it's good for us to say out loud and to be reminded that Jesus is the focus of our faith, that he is the doorway, he is the, the, he is the one that gets the glory that we're, you know, that we're focusing on. And um, I just feel like that was a really important foundational piece the following week, which happened to be Father's Day, wasn't that convenient, uh, we got to talk about the Father. Jesus came to reveal the Father, to reveal the nature of the Father, to give us access to the Father. And I focused on that one of the main things that we have access to in the Father is identity. That Father speaks identity. And when we come through the doorway of Jesus and it reveals the Father to us, and we can have access to that, that we get to step into a place where we say, I know who I am, because the Father is the giver of identity. He's the one that, that forms and fashions that in us. And so I, as we went after that last week, I really believe the Lord brought us into a new place of having identity. 
This week, I want to talk about really the third part of the Trinity and also what the Bible refers to as the gift of the Father that Jesus promised or that the Father promised and Jesus said, my Father's going to send this gift and that's Holy Spirit. And so we really believe that God is a three-part being, that he functions in these different ways, not that his character is different as demonstrated in the Son, in the Father, in the Holy Spirit, but has more to do with how these different aspects of God interact with us. And so today as we talk about the Holy Spirit, um, I want to look at kind of what the role of the Holy Spirit is, our connection to the Holy Spirit. Um, And more than anything, I want us to be stirred to a hunger for the fullness of what the Holy Spirit brings. I think even in a charismatic church, we can become so familiar with the Holy Spirit. We can become kind of familiar with how how we see the Holy Spirit show up, and we, we stop hungering for the more that he wants to give us. Or we, we even sometimes forget what his role is in our lives. Sometimes I feel like in a charismatic church, we can focus on one aspect of how the Holy Spirit operates, and we go, okay, this is, this is all that it ever looks like when the Holy Spirit's operating, and we have all of this that he wants to, to be moving in our lives in. And so today... I'm believing that as we speak the word about the Holy Spirit, as we look at his role in our lives, it's going to stir us to hunger for more of him. Not just curiosity, but a hunger that says, I have to have that. I have to have that active in my life, and that there'd be a willingness to step into that. I want us to have everything that he wants us to have, because I want out there to have everything that God wants out there to have. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't just, these things that we believe are not just for the sake that we can go, oh, this is cool. We have this little, it was kind of like the word this morning about opening up the family of God to other people so that they can experience. And I want to make sure that we're serving the full meal deal, that, that we've got everything that the Lord wants us to be offering The other thing is I want us to recognize that the Holy Spirit doesn't just operate in these times of meeting together. You know, it's more evident sometimes we can feel the Holy Spirit in the midst of worship. Did you feel the presence of God in the midst of worship today, speaking to us and and bringing us rest and bringing us peace? and, And, you know, the presence of God is really the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, But I want us to remember that his presence, that that access is not just for this room and this meeting or for, you know, when you're live streaming Maverick City Music or whatever, that we can operate in and have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives in so many different ways. The other aspect is we are a people that are hungry to see revival happen. And when we say revival, we don't mean just a bunch of hoopla and nights and nights and nights of meetings. We are hungry to see something transformed in the body of Christ that then goes out and sees transformation in, in the lives of people out there. That, that there, is, there, is a, um, there is a desire to just see our community turned upside down in people coming to the revelation of who God is and being touched by him, coming to 
to uh, understand who Jesus is and setting him into their lives as a cornerstone and being introduced to the identity of the Father and having the Holy Spirit living in their lives. And that's our role to take that to that place. And so I'm hungry for that. And what I love is, is that if we look all throughout history, revivals always started with just a few really hungry people. So let's be hungry today. Let's be hungry for the things that the Lord wants to do. So I'm just going to pray. Probably should have started with that. Father God, I ask that you would make us hungry today. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit that fully represents the nature of God and the nature of Jesus. We ask that we would be hungry as we read in your word, as, as we talk about who the Holy Spirit is and the role that he plays in our lives. We ask that we would be hungry, that wherever we're at, that there would be a desire to go deeper. Wherever we're at, we just say we want more. We want more revelation. We want more faith in what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives and through our lives. We just ask that you would stir hunger in us today. We don't want to be satisfied. We want more of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I talk about us being a, a charismatic church, there's all kinds of ideas about what that means and, um, and what, you know, depending on if you grew up in a non-charismatic kind of an atmosphere, there's kind of this range. So some people grew up in a, in a church that, you know, was not charismatic. Some people grew up in a church that believed that charismatic churches were from the devil, so there's, there's kind of this range of what, you know, what we view as far as um, what we would consider to be a spirit-filled church or a charismatic church. And so um, I want to talk about that a little bit. There's kind of you know, different brands of what that looks like. And so I think it's important to talk about what we believe about the Holy Spirit and how that operates here. The first thing I want to say, and I've said it again, is that the charismatic church is not the only spirit-filled church. That's why I don't describe our church as spirit-filled, although we are, but it's not a differentiating factor from the other churches. We don't, you know, when we're participating in some of these community events, we don't, you know, they don't go, oh, bring the spirit-filled people in because we don't know. You know, it, it's, it's, yeah, and in fact, we're really grateful they even invite us. But, but, uh, but we're not... You know, we don't have the market cornered on being spirit-filled. The Christian life is a spirit-filled life. And we believe that when you receive uh, Christ as Savior, what we would title being saved, when you receive Christ, that the Holy Spirit comes with that. That there is, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in you at the time of conversion. That's what we would call that when when you recognize your need for a savior, you repent and ask forgiveness, you accept the work of the cross in your life, you invite him to be the Lord and savior of your life. That's what we mean when we talk about getting saved. When conversion happens, the Holy Spirit is part of that. 
that he is part of that experience of salvation or conversion. In fact, what is really cool is that the Holy Spirit is actually active before you even come to Christ. It is by the Holy Spirit that you're even drawn to come to Christ. And so he is active. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is actually active in the lives right now of unbelievers? Because he is working to draw them to Christ. So we do not have the market cornered on the activity of the Holy Spirit. There is, there is a Holy Spirit experience that happens when we, when we uh, come into that place of salvation. And part of it has to do with that concept in John 3, 5, where he says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's why we use the phrase born again. That the born again experience is saying, I, I now am born again into the Spirit. And so to say that unless you've had when we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you don't have the Holy Spirit, there's no biblical foundation for that. That is part of the salvation experience, that we went from death to life. And what that means, it's not just... I used to think when we say that, that, that accepting Christ as Savior, I went from death to life, it means I'm no longer condemned to death in hell, but now I have eternal life in heaven. That's not what it means. It means I was spiritually dead until I had that conversion experience, and now I'm spiritually alive. And so we, we see the Holy Spirit's work in that. Not only is it the Holy Spirit that actively draws us to Christ, but when we come to Christ, it's the Holy Spirit that does that regeneration. So the role of the Holy Spirit we see in a lot of different ways. We're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I want to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit. All throughout Scripture, it talks about what the Holy Spirit does. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he leads. He guides us. When, when Jesus said, it's good that I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit, and actually said so the Father can send the Holy Spirit, um, because he will guide you, or some translations say he will lead you by the hand into all truth. And so that's, that is the role and the activity of the Holy Spirit. I feel like, like we need to recognize there's, Jesus did his part of the job. And yes, we are, our focus and our, and our uh, adoration, our worship is definitely aimed and pointed at Jesus but it is the Holy Spirit that's now kind of picked up where he made a way. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that's kind of doing the heavy lifting right now because he did his part. And so it's the Holy Spirit that's leading us, that will guide us into all truth. The plan that God had was always that we would walk closely with him. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes that possible. That that sense of God being near to me is really the Holy Spirit's work to, to help me feel the nearness of God. What's introduced to us when we come into this conversion experience, we talk about stepping into the new covenant, that, that before the relationship between God and man, number one, you could only have that relationship if you were part of a, a covenant through being Jewish, through being the people of God. 
those of us who don't have any Jewish ancestry had no right to coming into covenant or coming into relationship with God apart now from Jesus who made the way for all of us to come into that place of covenant. But what's interesting about it is this covenant has to do with instead of being pushed from the outside with rules and regulations and and rituals, now we're led from the inside. That's why when we come into a conversion experience, the, the law of the Lord is written in my heart and it's the Holy Spirit that then leads me into the ways of righteousness from the inside out. It's no longer from the outside. So the Christian life is a life of being led from the inside, not pushed from the outside. That's why the standard is so much higher under grace once we now have the Holy Spirit than it was before for those who didn't. That's why Jesus could say, um, okay, you say don't commit adultery. I say don't even lust with your heart. You say uh, love your neighbor as yourself. I say love your neighbor unto death the way I loved you. The reason that he can set that standard is because he also gives us the Holy Spirit that's leading us from the inside out to step into that grace. And so the standard of grace is high, but our ability and our access to being able to walk in that is higher. Amen? So he leads us. Another aspect or role of the Holy Spirit is to transform us. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that transforms us. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, We with all, all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. I actually might be on like verse 18. I just scribbled this on here, so I might be on the wrong verse. Okay, let's read it from up here. So do you have verse 18 as well? Maybe? Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I'm going to read it in my Bible. It's a novel idea. Sorry. Okay. 2 Corinthians 3. Verse 17-ish. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In verse 18 it says, But we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. So it's saying we are being transformed, and it's happening by the Holy Spirit. We're being changed into the image of Jesus. This is what he says. He says, be like me. And the reality is we have no possible way of being like him. There was a people that were trying to be like him for thousands of years before Jesus came and they couldn't do it. But now we have the Holy Spirit. He says, be like me and I'm going to put the Spirit of God in you so that you can be transformed day by day into the image of Christ. This process, so we talked about conversion and the Holy Spirit's there at conversion. This process is sanctification. This is the ongoing work of God to transform us into the image of Christ. It's progressive that makes us more and more like Jesus and it's the Holy Spirit that does this work. Do you know what is so exciting about this? It is so exciting that I can wake up this morning and be imperfect and know that's okay because the Holy Spirit's still working on me. 
He's still transforming me. I'm still in that process. This is not, hey, this is not as good as it gets. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that great that this is not as good as it gets? <laughs> that I will be, I, as I'm being more and more transformed, I will be a better wife. I will be a better preacher and pastor. I will be a better mother. I'll be a better friend. I'll be more bold in my witness for Christ. I'm going to walk in more power because I'm being more and more transformed into, I'm going to love better because I'm being transformed day by day by the work of the Spirit. So he leads, this is the role of the Holy Spirit. He leads, he transforms, he helps. Jesus said, if I don't go, the helper can't come. And so we have the Holy Spirit who helps. The Christian life is impossible apart from the helper. It's impossible for us to to be in the image of Christ. It's impossible for us to walk in the fullness of the Christian life. Not only that, but there are things that God has called you to do that are impossible for you. And I'm not just talking about like loving your neighbor. There are things that God has called you to do that are completely impossible. Things that he's called you to step into places he's called you to minister and have influence. And he sends the Holy Spirit to help. But this is what's really cool. So he says, hey, look, here's this huge log. Imagine with me, a huge log. And he says, Renee, go move that log. And I go, I don't know, it looks really heavy. And he says, that's okay. The Holy Spirit will help. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he helps and he lifts it with me. But here's, have any of you ever carried something heavy with a little child who wants to help? <laughs> right? So you're carrying this big thing, and they're helping, which may, you know, mostly means you're trying not to accidentally crush them with the thing or whatever. <laughs> the reality is, if they weren't lifting at all, probably you'd still be carrying it, right? We're the child in this equation. When he says, hey, let's move this heavy thing, and I'll help, what he means is, I'm going to do all the heavy lifting. He makes it possible for us to do these things that are otherwise completely impossible for us. The other thing he does is he teaches. This is not a comprehensive list. This is just what I could come up with and fit into this time, because I'm still on my way to baptism. So he leads, he transforms, he helps, and he teaches us. The Holy Spirit teaches. I am so grateful that the Holy Spirit teaches because that means whatever I leave out on a Sunday morning, he's going to teach you. It's not my, it doesn't have to be all on what you get at church or what you get in a Bible study or because the Holy Spirit is continually teaching you. He's continually teaching you. Jesus said he will teach you. Jesus said, there's a whole bunch of things that I haven't told you yet, but that's okay. The Holy Spirit's going to teach you. Not only did he teach, like any good teacher, he wrote a book. The Holy Spirit inspired this book. He wrote a book, and what we want to make sure we don't do is go, it's okay, I've got the book, right? Like, how many of you... Let's say there's something that you really, really want to know about, and and you you get the book, and then somebody says, actually, the guy who wrote the book, he would come and teach you this, and you go, no, that's okay, I got the book, right? 
No, we won't do that. That's why we can't ignore the role of the Holy Spirit in teaching us and continuing to teach us. There are things that I need the professor to to open up to me. I read the book and I go, I'm not really sure. What did you mean here? And he comes and he teaches me that. Also, though, we wouldn't want to disregard the book he wrote. We can't be yielded to the teacher without being willing to read the text of his class. So he leads, he transforms, he helps, and he teaches. And we believe that this is something that's available to us really at salvation. But we also believe that there is a greater measure of experiencing the Holy Spirit. So this is the piece, pretty much any of that would would be a mainstream view of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. Any of that. What makes us a little bit different that puts us in that charismatic label church is that we believe that there is an encounter with the Holy Spirit that is separate from the salvation experience. There is a a subsequent encounter with the Holy Spirit that that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 3.11, John says, I baptize you with water, but there is another coming, and he will baptize you in the Spirit and with fire. And we believe that this concept of baptism, just like in, in the baptism of water, there's this, there's this um, encounter that happens where you are submersed in the water. We're believing that when he's referring to baptism of the Holy Spirit, which those words are in, in the Bible to describe this experience, we're submersed, we're immersed in the Holy Spirit in a different way. Not just the Holy Spirit lives inside me and he's leading me and teaching me and helping me, but that we actually can come into a place where we're just constantly immersed in who the Holy Spirit is. That that there's an encounter that we have that, that fills us to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So we see this uh, like I said, there's others that, that believe it happens at salvation, that our experience with the Holy Spirit happens at salvation. We believe that there's a secondary encounter with the Holy Spirit in addition to that. Now, sometimes it can happen at the same time that you come to Christ, that you can come to Christ and then also be baptized at, at that same time in the Holy Spirit. But the, one of the reasons that we believe that, if we were to look at, you know, do you believe that just because that's what the charismatic church believes? We, when we look at scripture, we see that the disciples in Acts 2 had a second experience. So those that were waiting in the upper room had already come into a conversion experience. They had already believed in the Lord. They had already committed and had that conversion experience and, and he had even, Jesus had even breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So they had these things that we talked about, that they were led and, and he was helping them. But then he also said, but wait, because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in this, in this outpouring, in this baptism, you're going to receive power. So there's a different kind of power we believe we receive in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2, that experience that they had in the upper room, 
was, a, was not a conversion experience. That was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what it did is it released an empowerment to them to go out as effective witnesses for Jesus. Really, we're all here because of that moment. Every church that meets on a Sunday morning or whenever they meet is there because of that moment. That was the birth of the church. There was, there was an empowerment that came from that point. And we see this, it wasn't, that wasn't the only time that a, an outpouring happened to people that had already come into a place of conversion where they now were baptized in the Holy Spirit. We see it in Acts 10. We see it in, um, yeah, well, for sure in Acts 10. The other thing that we believe is that we've seen, even though the early church talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, somewhere in the history of the church, that no longer was a mainstream aspect of teaching. So most denominational churches did not talk about that until about the 1900s, and that's when the Azusa Street Revival happened. So we see it as a biblical concept, but somewhere in there, over this church, this time in church history, the baptism of the Holy Spirit wasn't something that was taught. And so we see at the Azusa Street Revival, really any charismatic church, any Pentecostal church, kind of has come out of that, out of that time. There's some other things, but essentially that. And that revival started by a man, partially by a man called William Seymour, and he came to Azusa Street Mission where there had been intercessors praying for revival for years before that. And here's what I want to look at this experience. Frank Bartolin was one of those intercessors. He said, when my day of Pentecost had fully come, this is in like 1904-ish, I think. When my day of Pentecost had fully come, the channel was cleared, the living waters burst forth, the door of my service sprang open at the touch of the hand of the sovereign God. The spirit began to operate within me in a new and mightier way. It was a distinct, fresh climax and development, an apex experience for me. So this is a man at that time when the baptism of the Holy Spirit wasn't even really talked about. He's saying, I don't know what to say, but this is the experience that I've had. Charles Finney, this happened to him about 25 years before that. This was a man that was already converted. He knew the Lord. He was pastoring. He uh, described a face-to-face -face encounter he had with Christ and he said, in that moment, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost without any recollection that I'd ever heard the thing being mentioned by any person in the world. So this was not something that was taught in the church, but he said, I received this baptism, although I can't say I've ever heard it taught. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. It seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. It seemed like the very breath of God. It seemed to fan me like immense wings. I wept aloud with joy and love. I do not know if I should say, but I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushing in my heart. 
These waves came over and over me, one after the other, until I recollect that I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me, yet I had no fear of death. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to stir in us is a hunger for that. Not just the experience of that, but for what happens in the wake of that. That when the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, what it released in Acts 2, in Acts 4, in Acts uh, 11, 10, uh, Peter recounts it in Acts 11, that it released a boldness to preach the gospel. It released a boldness. We can focus on some of the, some of the other aspects really quickly. One of the evidences of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. It's being able to speak in a prayer language, but I would say, I'm not really sure that we have an official stance here at Living Waters, I don't believe that that is the only evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I would say probably we mostly here don't believe that. That, that may separate us from some other charismatic churches. We do not believe that that's the only evidence of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, but we believe that that's available to everyone to be able to have that experience of, of yielding our tongue and letting the Holy Spirit pray through us just even for our own personal edification. So I don't have time to go into all of the, the aspects because there's different things about the gift of tongues in a personal setting versus in a corporate setting, but I just want to clarify that that is one of the evidences but it's ridiculous to say, well, no baptism of the Holy Spirit hasn't happened because you didn't speak in tongues. And in Acts 2, they spoke in tongues. You know, they also had flames of fire above their head. <laughs> so if we're going to discount it for that sake, none of us, I don't know, maybe you had that experience, but none of us had that experience. But, but there is something, what, what is true is that there is an empowerment of the Holy Spirit that comes. There is, a, there is an overwhelming sense of who he is, and then it, it flows through us. I would say boldness to preach the gospel is probably one of the most, um, what do you call it when, common? Or, yeah, that, you know, when it, yeah. <laughs> there's our evangelist who goes, yeah. So we want to see the Holy Spirit come for the sake of that. I want, the other thing that we need to recognize is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't believe, is a one-time event. It is an initial encounter with the Holy Spirit that now leads to continual encounters with the Holy Spirit. I have been filled with the Spirit. My first encounter with being filled with the Spirit was when I was five years old. And that was real. I remember, I remember feeling that in, in some ways, I, I remember feeling, I don't know how to explain it, I was five, but when I think about it now, it was like there was a maturity that I felt in the spirit. Like, like my spirit felt, felt as big as anybody else's spirit. And I remember feeling the presence of God. I remember our teacher, it was at camp, at a family camp, and my parents were in the adult meeting, and I was in the kids' meeting, and she was talking about the Holy Spirit, and as she was talking about the Holy Spirit and Acts 2, as a five-year-old, I remember going, let me up, 
Let me up so that I can receive that. There was a hunger in me that was stirred beyond my own comprehension. My spirit wanted that. And that was my initial experience with Holy Spirit. But I've been filled with the Holy Spirit numerous times where I've experienced that, that overwhelming and it's released a power in me. I want us to hunger for that. I want us to hunger for that, not just because we are a charismatic church and that's what it's supposed to look like here, not just because we want to have this fun time in the spirit, but because of what it releases in the empowerment of our lives. And can I just say, it doesn't have to look any specific way. There has to be flames of fire. But other than that, it doesn't have to look any specific way. That we can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.